Who's afraid of the big idea? Welcome to Who's Afraid of the Big Idea with me, George and Jamie, a retail podcast tackling the industry's biggest challenges, opportunities and innovative thinking. Through meeting individuals and looking and exploring their organisations, we hope to share with you, our audience, some wonderful insight to help you tackle your big ideas. Enjoy the show. Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of Who's Afraid of the Big Idea? This episode's a little bit different. I've got the pleasure of speaking with Hetel Desai from Ocado. Hetel's the Head of Finance, UK Retail, Partners and Technology. He provides some wonderful insights. Unfortunately, we couldn't sit face-to-face for this episode, so the interview was done over the phone. But hopefully you hear all his wonderful insights crystal clear. We had the guys in the editing suite work their magic. So without further ado, let's kickstart things and hear from Hetel over at Ocado. I'm Head of Finance for UK Retail Partners and Technology at Ocado PLC. Uh, I've been doing this role for the last seven years, uh, over seven years actually, um, and it has been a roller coaster ride um, in Ocado terms. Ocado PLC are an online grocer which has been growing double digits for the last, you know, since I've been there at least for the last seven plus years. We IPO'd in 2010. And since then, uh, I, I joined and, and the, implemented a, a variety of things from budgeting and forecasting to reporting to the board, seeing the business grow from uh, a mere sort of £350 million business to over a £1.5 billion business. It's a huge amount of growth in this business. Exciting time. Um, yeah, it, it's inter- an interesting one. You know, first off, off the bat, if someone was to take a superficial look at retail and the retail industry more broadly. A lot of the headlines are doing gloom, and you've obviously sat this seven-year period of, uh, of fantastic growth. What, for you, what, what, what does that growth come down to? What, what do you think has been the key to that success for, for, from, from your point of view? Inherently, I think there are inherent distinct differences in Ocado. So Ocado is definitely a disruptor um, in its early years, um, definitely was um, setting the paradigm in the online market, um, and we were we, we we always had the highest level of service and quality levels, everything from the the level of wastage to the accuracy of orders to the timeliness of delivering the customer orders um, within an hour within an hour slot. Obviously, that's a commodity now in this business, but we were um, in effect leaders in that field. So that's probably what splits apart, as well as other things such as the products that we sell. We sell probably the largest range of online products from a grocery perspective. We also then changed the paradigm in terms of what our offerings in terms of our range. So we started a non-food business selling everything from homeware products to dog and pet and general non-food items um, to writing customers and we've uh, launched um, an online business called Fabled. So we are definitely always looking to do new and innovative things in the market, whether it be changing the way we deliver to our customers and and also how we improve the, uh, the quality and service to launching new new solutions such as providing you know, a business called Fetch, uh, which provides everything you would need for a pet, um, if you've got a pet, um, to a new beauty business, as well as providing a general merchandising 
offering, so all the traditional non-food offerings that you would get. They're, they're the kind of things we have definitely done that's made us quite different. Well, it's really um, interesting to hear you say that because there are a few guys just in our office here we're using Ocado since since, uh, since as long as I can remember, over five years ago. And when I was speaking to them, um, I now myself use Ocado, and it was based exactly on those two factors you've identified, the convenience piece, but also that, that catalogue, that product range is incredible. What, one of my colleagues is Irish, and she used to have her family send over products um, because she couldn't get them here, and she can find them on Ocado. And, uh, and you know, and that, that, that product range is incredible. So I think... How you identify those success points is very reflective of how your customers do as well. Yeah, definitely. We we're, we're definitely going differently to our our bricks and mortar competitors. We definitely want to offer the the customer a, a much broader experience, um, and and range is one of them, right? We definitely see range as critical to us, and we definitely want to see a growth in our range, and so we. We've constantly looked to to grow our range uh, over the last so many years since I've been here. So definitely important to us, and I, I can see that continuing um, as we start launching other other general merchandise offerings um, in specific mar- markets that we want to compete in. Um, and is this, and, are these decisions a combination of, of, of strategy and, and also technology? How do the two play together and, and, and how do you see that in your role? So you mentioned strategy and you mentioned our, our core offering. Now, now in, in terms of, yes, strategy, we definitely are a business. We definitely don't see ourselves as a mature business. So we are constantly if you looked at uh, the period between you know 2010 and, and 2016 for the we've been growing on average um, our compounded annual growth rate has been around 14 percent year on year which is huge huge growth and uh, and that's just our retail business yeah and if you look at our the orders per week during just the last few years has been growing at a 13% compounded annual growth rate, and that but that includes us taking on the Morrison's online offering. So we we basically uh, started offering Morrison's a end-to-end service from I think they, we launched broadly in 2013. So if you include those that business in our uh, number of orders uh, that we actually fulfil through our warehouses. It's our compounded annual growth rate has been around 30% over the 13, uh, over 2013 14 to 2015 16. Huge growth. And, and if you compare it against the grocery market, it, it, we kind of stand out. And, and if, if you looked at our an analyst presentation that we've got, that we gave you uh, in 2016, we, we kind of said so, uh, something that really stands out for, for me personally is that our year on year UK gross sales. Uh, 12 weeks ending 14, the 4th of December 2016, uh, year-in-year percentage just in that period was 13.1% uh, for Ocado.com. And then compared with the people who are doing, who we think are doing well also in terms of the grocery market, well, are the discounters. And if you take someone, someone like Lidl and Aldi, they were going at 8.3%. And then, then the others were growing single-digit or negative in that time period. So we have done... Exceptionally well, and we always try and, try and stay ahead of the market, and, and that's definitely a a strategic 
element that we've we've definitely tried to do. So, and then and then like I said to you, it's in how we in our service offerings, we always try and to maintain our high level of service on service offerings in terms of item accuracy. Normally, that is around um, the 99% mark. So we, we we try and deliver to that. And then in terms of orders on time, we try and stick at around the the 95% mark. I think in 2016 we were at 94.9% for the full year. Our, our range, if you include the whole of our Arcado.com's what we call SKUs are for each each different item of uh, products that we have it is over fifty thousand, right? It's huge. Um, I don't know any other grocer that that would offer that level of kind of range. The pricing we try and be competitive, right? So we have got some fairly broad measures of competitiveness, so, which are important to us and which we continually look to benchmark ourselves to the rest of the market. I've interviewed. Um, over the last sort of three or four months, the number of the, the, the big grocers here in the UK, and, and, and on that point of, of service, and obviously the growth you've seen uh, in comparison to some of the other grocers, they told me that they see their biggest uplift or they see a significant gain in uh, in, in earnings when they focus their attention on sort of their gold tier customers. They're getting more from their loyal customers rather than acquiring new customers. Would that be true of the growth you've seen as well? Or strategically, do you focus on uh, on including experience and therefore growing existing customers who already use the service? Or is it about expansion and looking at acquiring new customers? I, I think it's, it's both, right? So you've got to, 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 to continually... The market is growing, right? So let's be honest. Yeah, the, the market, online grocery market, is, is expanding. And so... By its very nature, mathematically, you have to continue to acquire customers at the same rate as the market is going to stay at the same market share. So to answer your question, if, if we want to continue growing with the market or ahead of the market, then we have to keep acquiring customers is, is the first point. Um, the second point, you know what? It's always good to ensure that we are driving more of our, of our customers, existing customers, and driving more out of them in terms of and taking them up the value chain uh, for us. We definitely see that as important. We have got a quite a loyal base of customers, um, and, and, and it's because of what I've said. It's our service, our range, and our, our price positioning. I think an amazing level of um, service uh, in terms of item accuracy and orders on time. The, a schedule that we showed on our analyst deck at, at half year uh, this year, uh, and it was just showing uh, the high customer ratings that we would have, um, and the high customer ratings were trust pilot reviews dated from around July 2017, based on a, on over around 10,000 reviews, and and we came out, uh, you know, nearly double or what Aldi a little and Tesco and Sainsbury's and Asda were, and that's our platform though. Um, so it's worth it's worthwhile looking at that presentation if you if, if you guys want to have a look at the level of service uh, and offering that we offer compared to our competitors. In, in terms of obviously you're talking about the market, it'd be amiss of us not to mention the and the acquisition of Whole Foods back in back in the summer and that shift from an online player to having a physical footprint in 
in the grocery sector. How do you? What's your take on that? What's your personal take on that? And 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 how do you understand that to be? And, and what do you see that as disruption? Do you see that as a competitive threat? Do you see that as, as natural progression? What's your particular take on that story? So, so this is so this is my personal take on it, rather than a, a company take on it. Um, look, Amazon are, are they are a strong competitor in the the retail market space. Anyone who takes Amazon lightly does it at its own peril. And and my suggestion is, my personal view is, um, we definitely see them as competitors. We, we definitely will ensure that we watch them as they grow. We compete them like for like and, and where we can uh, offer better level of service. They are new into the UK market and trying to trying to grow. So, uh, but we watch them and are mindful of their potential strength. Uh, um, so we're we're cautious, but 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 not complacent um, with someone like Amazon. You can't afford to be. Obviously, you mentioned earlier in the conversation about some of those uh, innovations and, and the delivery. I noted that in the news back in June, July, you, you trialled as a business the driverless um, the delivery pods. I think they were called, if I'm correct. You know, is there any feedback on that? How was that just part of global strategy to try new things to to keep improving that customer service? Um, how do you see that going forward? But technology is uh, is at the heart of what we do, right? We've got over a thousand. By the end of this year, we'll have over a thousand plus thousand uh, one hundred, I think, more uh, technology staff across our technology business. We definitely see them as key in improving our customer proposition and also help helping us uh, grow the business in terms of our exciting new developments um, in terms of our Akada solutions, both both in terms of for our new solutions business, which is looking at going international, selling our, our knowledge and our IP and taking that uh, to other players who haven't gone online and who need to go online. And we announced, obviously, our first international partner this year. And we definitely want to take our software platform, our know-how and support services to, to a variety of other international partners um, across the globe with a view to uh, potentially installing them an automated MHE in warehouses in the future for these guys. Um, and, we, and we continue to progress discussions with multiple retailers. But we also have an existing large partnership with Morrisons and we continue to look to grow that uh, over the coming years. Um, but all of it is the underpinning of all of this is, is definitely our technology and the reason why uh, we are where we are and the market disruptor and ahead of the market and growing uh, double digits every year is it, largely due to the fact that we we do invest and we develop and we're continually looking at the ways to to improve our offering to both our customers but whether they be uh, a single customer like Morrison's, or whether it be a, the the you know the, the hundreds of thousands of customers that we have uh, so using the Carda.com business, we we firmly believe that technology is at the heart of it. It's really interesting to say that a lot a lot of our listeners who tune in are face the challenge of their what you call more mature businesses, so the bigger high street retailers with a big foot. Uh, footprint and therefore some of the heritage systems technological wise that come with that if you have one bit of advice for a retailer today 
um, based on your experience and your observations in your current role, but also, you know, in, in your day-to-day and your previous experience. What bit of advice would that be for, for some of those retailers who are making these decisions now to weigh up technology investment or, or adapting new processes or innovating? Would you have a piece of advice you would suggest? Yeah, so this is probably what, what I, I know best, right, because I've been here in a head of finance for seven years at Cardo. Uh, I've done a multitude of different roles, both technical and non-technical, um, and I've done an immense amount of change. So at the heart of a lot of those changes has been technology. So I was key in installing Hyperion into our business. We obviously are kind of are not a mature business, but 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 are we definitely the rate of growth we grow at in retail, especially the the detail that's required and the constant information that's requested from a variety of sources, whether it be um, the the operational retail teams to the senior board, is immense. And and what we were finding is that we were constantly battling with. Uh, in spending um, 80%, 85% of the time getting the data together and 15 15 or 20% then making a a decision on what we've found, which is ludicrous. That's not the the mix that you should have. And so I firmly believe there's a better way of doing things. And so um, what I decided was that, um, as well as the fact that, that we were growing, the fact that we were spending the wrong portion of times in supporting the business and stakeholders around the business in decision making, as well as the fact that we were spending too much time reconciling to get to the right what we thought the right historic number was to the fact that we were growing our business in terms of complexity and and sheer and sheer mass. I, I decided that we needed to take a different option, and we we, we introduced Hyperion, and that definitely has been a godsend. Um, it's definitely allowed us to scale and grow much faster and concentrate our time on effectively on the most important things, which is decision-making and not getting data together, um, which is silly. My, my, my staff can now, spend more. I've got a, a quite a senior level of staff, so uh, most of my team, uh, I've got over 20 staff members and most of them are qualified. They now can spend more time on supporting the business with decision-making rather than trying to act as um, spreadsheet junkies trying to put data together, which is silly. So that definitely has, things have changed. Um, I've also, uh, in terms of technology, the half of finance for me, um, we've, I realised that the amount of investments that we were going to introduce over the coming years, some years ago, I decided to also look to get a better a project measuring tool. So we, we decided to uh, use Oracle project hosting, and so we introduced phase one, and we're about to introduce phase two of Oracle project hosting. So, so the the beauty about um, this is that it allows the business and and my staff to basically look at projects, look how much was spent on the projects at any point in time, look at POs that are open, um, accruals that are in the system uh, at a, quite a granular level. Um, and then we can also load budgets and forecasts to get the correct comparative. So, and then look at lifetime to date spend in project costing. So it has been a, a pretty decent uh, tool to introduce for uh, a business that heavily relies on capital investment and has a, a plethora of, of projects running at any one time. So 
definitely uh, those two technological, um, those two advancements in in terms of the finance team using a better software tool uh, that's available uh, has definitely helped. So, but they, we also get involved in a variety of other commercial things. But they're the key things that I think that have helped us can scale in the last year or so, two years, but will continually help us scale in the next five five years. So it's, it's identifying that solution that fits for you and your business and then making sure it's it's measurable in, in terms of the impact and also in, in terms of staff and, and the people within the business being able to use that uh, technology or, or software to, uh, to to really maximise on, on, on the investment within it. Would that be correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I, I well, before I start any technology decision or looking at whatever what I want to change in the business, I, I usually have a firm, clear idea of what I'm trying to deliver, and and I also always constantly ensure that that I it's going to create I'm delivering a benefit for the business. What I tend to do, tend to do is do some really basic things. So to have clear a clear goal. Uh, in mind, I always ensure that I have the right resource at hand to help me along that journey of delivering or executing the plan uh, for introducing new things. And we constantly, constantly, constantly look at as we going through that journey of implementing, making decisions as we go along. Um, I think what I found is when I there's, there's, in, a, in a business like ours, uh, which is technology, it's quite easy to have scope creep. And, and in a business like retail, where once they see the benefits, the, the, the stakeholders around that, that would take advantage of these technologies would, you know, would easily increase the scope. But I, I try and keep focus and keep things pragmatic and to ensure that uh, we can deliver the project uh, to time and to budget um, and, and with and ensuring that, that that what we set out when we first set out the deliverables we we and the benefits are, are delivered delivered upon and in in the two cases project costing and Hyperion that have given you that definitely the business has benefited fantastic well uh, on that note we really appreciate your time thanks so much for for joining us um any final comments from yourself or anything else you'd like to to, to mention in terms of the future or, or, or how you see retail unfolding it in 2018 and beyond? Yes, yeah, so, so, and specifically, I'm going to talk about retail finance. So, uh, the finance team within the retail space has to continually look to evolve and provide a, a level of granular data quickly and effectively and accurately. And as I say, it's fine, the finance community must uh, look to uh, take advantage of the software tools and software that's out there to help uh, that decision making. Because the businesses that are going to survive are really going to be the businesses that, that make decisions quickly and effectively and, and on a robust data, right? Um, and if your finance team can support this decision making process, then and then they have the tools. Then then that that's obviously going to help you uh, your competitive advantage in the marketplace. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, that the finance team should will be at the heart of decision making going forward. Um, but they need the right tools to to help them um, grow the business and and continue to make better decisions for the business. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, John. Thank you, guys. So there it is, another episode of Who's Afraid of the Big Idea. 
Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found it as inspirational as us. To learn more or to check us out, follow us at One Connected. That's the number one connected on Twitter or check us out online at www.oneconnectedcommunity.com. That's one O-N-E, connectedcommunity.com.